It's so quiet here. Welcome to another episode of The Walk. I'm walking through the forest on a beautiful Saturday morning. The sun is up. Skies are blue with some fluffy white clouds. And I'm walking underneath big, tall pine trees. And the wood smells lovely. There's even a hint of the smell of the heather that is in full bloom right now. And every once in a while I'll come across these patches, these open patches in the in the forest where you'll see these tiny purple flowers. And I love to be here. This is the best decision of my day to go out for a walk. I needed it. Oh, some bikers. Hello. Also enjoying Saturday morning. I've had a rough week. Very, very fatiguing. It was one of those weeks with a deadline, a very important deadline. On Thursday, I had to uh, finish the work on the television episode that summarizes my trip to Santiago de Compostela. It's uh, an episode that I postponed working on for many weeks because of the daunting enterprise it was to bring that experience into a half-hour show. It is a, a journey that took me 40 days more than a thousand kilometers by foot and with experiences that are very hard to capture especially with just an iPhone and that's the only camera that I used for most of the time my other Sony camera broke down after a couple of days so that wasn't much use and even though it is almost impossible to uh, share the the experience of walking the Camino. It's something you have to do to know what it does to you. But in order to share it as much as I could, I filmed more than 3,000 fragments, 3,000 moments during that journey on my phone. And so I was faced with more than 3,000 video files that I had to wade through and from which I had to select 25 minutes that would at least give the basics, the, the core of, of what that journey looked like and what it did to me. And it's of course um, important to to tell a story, not just to show snapshots of, of the journey. What I wanted to do was to tell my experience through the images. And again, I knew that it was a daunting enterprise. And uh, that's why I started way too late on, on, on compiling all this. And I was faced with a lot of technical issues. Um, one of which is that the iPhone uh, records in 30 frames per second. 
and that's fixed on on the iPhone uh, at least when you're using the the regular camera application that Apple provides you with there's no way to change that but 30 frames per second is um, based on the American uh, standards in video when you watch television the image that was that you will see will refresh 60 times per second and so 30 full frames per second are very easy to translate into the what they call the NTSC standard in the United States the problem is and this is a there are lots of technical reasons for that which I will skip over in in Europe and in other parts of the world uh, we have the PAL standard PAL which broadcasts in 50 frames per second so that's 20% 20 percent uh, difference with the NTSC standard and you're probably guessing <laughs> where I'm where I'm going with this converting 60 frames per second or in this case 30 full frames per second to 25 frames per second uh, causes a lot of problems because it means that you have to drop frames or uh, blend them together with other frames in order to maintain the same speed you have basically you have too many frames but that creates all sorts of jitter and uh, blurriness in the picture and these were issues that I did not really um, thought would happen <laughs> I, I just assumed that there were easy solutions for that because nowadays so many people are using their iPhone to shoot material that is also broadcast if you make video for online services like YouTube or Vimeo it never causes any issues because uh, your your monitor is able to display a, a broad range of frame rates and YouTube can handle all that Facebook too, Vimeo too and so the video that you produce always looks good but television is a whole different channel a different technique and so it, it caused a, a lots and lots of problems which of course is not something that you want to focus on when you are um, when you're trying to tell a story my mind wanted to be with the story and focus on that but uh, looking back on the whole the, the production of this episode I think 80% of my time was dealing with the technical problems taught me taught me an important lesson which I will get to in a minute um, but the 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 other issue was I realized again how much I don't like working against a deadline um, it is uh, it's exhausting and especially when you have unforeseen technical problems and you didn't uh, take the possibility of that into account in, in planning so I had no margin whatsoever uh, you have to work so hard to meet that deadline and on Wednesday I finally uh, written the entire narrative so the solution that I uh, that I uh, chose was to uh, 
to first write the, the story from memory. You know, what was happening during their journey and then record that as a voiceover and then choose the images. If I had done the other way around, picking and choosing the moments, the video that appealed to me, I would have probably ended up with way too much material for 25 minutes because there are so many important moments and everything was beautiful. There was not a single day that was that didn't have a highlight. But telling first the telling the story first and telling it well and making choices what to uh, what to share and what and what to leave out helped me considerably in selecting um, the video material and, and also helped me <laughs> with the tough decision of leaving things out which of course is always painful because well there's a desire to to share everything that was worth sharing and a lot of it was worth sharing but anyway so that was on Wednesday and uh I started basically putting the episode together in the late morning of Wednesday. And the deadline was Thursday morning. And so I ended up working all through the night. And that has happened to me before on several occasions that I had to work all night long in order to put a TV episode together. And it's, it's really not something I should be doing. And uh, somehow I always end up doing it. So there are two ways to approach it. The first approach would be blaming myself for procrastinating and for not foreseeing all these technical issues. But the blaming doesn't really help because I've had this situation, exactly this situation in the past, and I somehow always end up procrastinating because of the... Um, I think it's perfectionism, probably. I want to tell a good story, and so I'm... Uh, it's not that... This is also something I realized. I'm not procrastinating in the sense that I'm not doing anything, but I'm procrastinating in the moment I am compiling the story. And in the meantime, before I, I start doing that... Hello. Um, I'm still working, but I'm working inside my head. I'm telling the story to myself. I'm thinking about this for days. I, I prepare my homilies in, in very much the same way. Oh, wow, it's beautiful here. This is a part where I, I've rarely been before. Um, on my left is an open, an open plain here with water. And this, so there's a big lake. Or, well, it's not really a lake. It's more like a... Um, what's the word? It's this shallow water and it's surrounded by uh, grass and patches of land and so it's, it's more like a swamp but it, not in a negative sense. I don't know what, the, what the, the, the word is but it's beautiful. I think they, it's also inaccessible. It's fenced off here by a small barbed wire that um, goes along this thing. So I, what I assume is that this is an area where um, lots of birds are, are living and breeding. And uh, uh, we have a lot of rare birds, birds in the Netherlands, and we try to protect, protect their 
environment as much as possible. They need a certain specific type of of landscape in order to survive. And so when you're walking through a nature reserve like I'm doing uh, often, you will come across these patches where even pedestrians are not allowed, let alone bikers and horse riders. Um, so I'm, uh, when I'm preparing a homily, I never put anything on paper. I always preach from the heart. And it may feel often as improvised. And, you know, in a, in a way, that's a good thing. I like to be able to adapt my, uh, my homily to the audience that I have in front of me. I love to have eye contact with the people in church so I know whether um, what I'm saying is, is, uh, is understood and comes across or not. It helps me to be flexible and to, you know, and there's never a homily that is identical to the one that I did before, even if it's in the same weekend. Um, but it doesn't mean that I'm unprepared. I think about um, what I want to share in a kind of a fuzzy way um, uh, for a long time. But it's, it's, it's always, it's more, you know, it's, it's, the process is more of selecting what is affecting me what is touching me in this or particular bible story and and how does it relate to the choices i make in life to the situation in which we live and in which my parishioners may find themselves and so usually a lot of that preparation is done in inside my mind in my head and then uh, the the actual speaking part of it telling a story is the least of my worries because I I can talk <laughs> I don't have notes right now so it's something that comes easily and the same is true for video editing it's a similar process I prepare a lot in my head and then the actual process of putting things together putting the images in a certain sequence and rhythm it's it's a very natural thing I have a knack for that it just comes easy and I'm not talking about the technical aspect, but uh, I just know how to edit. It's kind of like a, I don't know, it's like recording podcasts and audio documentaries. And uh, I, I like telling a story. And if I have enough material, it's really not that hard. But I've, I've despite that, um, it is still a process that is super time consuming. Uh, normally, you'd probably take about an hour per minute of of uh, television content you, you, that would take an hour to edit I'm a lot faster mostly because of the the process the preparation in my head but it still is much more time-consuming than audio radio or anything and so I've been in this situation for many times before uh, many times before where uh, I just couldn't uh, finish in time and I had to pull an all-nighter uh, which of course is then causing this domino effect of me being exhausted for a couple of days afterwards and not being very productive <laughs> um, but anyway so the second approach to this is trying to determine what causes the what <laughs> what is the main issue that is 
causing me to always start too late and to having and having to pull these one night all nighters is there what is what is the big blockade and i think it is um the um the it's the selection of the material uh starting the process which has a, a lot of technical um aspects to it uh it, i'm tempted to to stay in my mind for too long before i start working on it and um i've noticed in the past uh, on several occasions where i worked together with other people that having someone who initiates the process of building the sequences starting to starting the edit even though the story itself may not be fully crystallized um, has been a much more positive process because then i can lean back a little bit i can keep continuing to think to focus on the story i want to tell whereas someone else is doing already a lot of the basic work of loading the sequences setting up the uh the the main storyline and uh, and dealing with all the technical issues i mean i'm relatively new to the world of video editing uh, but you have people that have been doing that from for most of their lives it's the, it's the one thing that they do all the time there's a a uh a farmer working on his land here on my right that's the sound that you hear he's uh I think fertilizing the the field. The wind is fortunately for me is going in the other direction, so I don't have the smelly consequences of his of his work. Um, what, and one of the one of the reasons that I don't always work with other people um, and 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 do this entire process myself. Is a, is a monetary reason uh, in uh, that hiring an editor to work with me will cost me between 450 and 500 euros a day. Um, at least that's what I've been paying <laughs> in, the, in the past. And uh, the budget for these productions is so low, it's just 5,000 5, euros, and that, that has to comprise everything from pre-production to filming to post-production editing sound uh, sound editing etc so uh, we can imagine that every day would cost me 10% of the revenue <laughs> and I've already invested a lot of my time into filming this so there for me this work is only worthwhile if I can um, if, if the balance in terms of what it, if it, uh, uh, what I can retain for it to to reinvest in in other productions that I make for Tridio, uh, is is good, and the more I hire external help, the less good that balance will be, and the less I will be able to use to grow um, the the mission. So that's my reluctance. But I realized something important in this process uh, while I was working through through the night, and that was that I don't I no longer want to do this. 
this is not good for me. This is not, this is not kind of, this is not sustainable. I mean, every, if, if this only happens occasionally, but it's, it's, this starts to become a pattern. And instead of blaming myself that I cannot start earlier and create margin, um, I know it's just part of, it's one of the results of the way I work creatively. And, in, in, and instead of trying to change myself, which I think is a pretty futile exercise because, um, uh, well, because I end up in this situation too often, I, I prefer to make different choices that can prevent this from happening. And so I have to kind of figure out how to create a new balance. It would, for instance, mean that for I need to create another four or five shows, I think. Um, I, want to, I want to hire help, especially for in terms of editing. I don't need much help filming, which is already saving me a lot of money. Um, I can do that myself, but for the editing process, I'd need to find people to to do that for me. But I also have to think about what would be a good percentage of the revenue of the of what I produce to to invest in um, in hiring external help. And of course I cannot afford to to break even. I, it, it is not useful for me to to reinvest the 5,000 euros that I get paid by the broadcasting company into the production of the video because I've always worked and I've been doing this since the beginning of, of, of podcasting uh, with in a very Dutch way. And so I never spend money that I don't have. But I also never spend all the money uh, that is available to just maintain business. I think one of the, one of the, the challenges of what I do is uh, just seeing how little support I have from, you know, big fund funding organizations or, or, or donors. I, I have to work with what you as my followers uh, help me do. And th we're, we're talking in general about very small donations. So I have to work with that. But I, I owe it to you and I owe it to my future audiences, the people that I'm not yet reaching, um, to make sure that I not only maintain what I do, but that I try to find ways to grow it and to expand um, the audience. Not because of, um, the, not for the sake of the organization or to grow a business, or that is completely irrelevant, but it's inherent to the kind of work that I do, that I want to reach more people and help more people in their journey in life by uh, the programs that we make. And so I always want to make sure that we, uh, that we save a certain percentage of, of uh, the, the, what, we, what people donate or the revenue in this case so that we can invest that into people, mostly people, that can grow this. Sometimes also equipment that can help us do more and work more efficiently. Uh, and that's, we're never talking about 
a lot of money, but it is, it's about the balance. I think growth should be included in, in, in what you invest in. It's not just the productions. If I'd, if I'd always aimed for it to break even, I would still only do one podcast. I would still have the Catholic Insider and I would probably, that would be it. Now, because of the way I try to handle the financial aspects of, of uh, this mission, we've been able to build this studio. Uh, we've, and I have done this entire edit of the, of the episode downstairs in the new editing room on a good uh, desk chair. So I did not have the issues with my back <laughs> that I had uh, in the past. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a much better environment to work in. And it's all also been liberating to be able to work in a working environment. And the moment I'm done, I go to my own quarters, uh, to my, uh, I go upstairs to the part of the rectory where I live and work is done. And it is so much easier to, to find, to, to, to find rest and to relax and to recharge my batteries when I'm not in a situation uh, that I associate with work. So that is, has been possible because of the, um, uh, of, of hopefully a wise management of our resources. I'm passing here, it's a small path here through some grass. I'm always still a bit weary, wary because of the ticks that could be in the grass. I'm wearing my walking trousers, so they cover my ankles. I'm not that afraid, but I'm still always a bit, you know, eh. But I thought it, the, the road would continue through the fields, the corn fields. The corn is almost ready to be harvested here on my right. But instead, the small path is turning left and I'm, uh, I'm uh, walking uh, alongside uh, a forest of fine trees here. So I'm walking in the shadow, which is nice too. Uh, although there's more grass ahead of me. I think I'm actually walking on a path that's meant for horses, but oh well. So um, the, the question is, uh, how, much, how much help do I need? And how to, up to which point am I investing in this help? And what would that mean for the rest of our, my balance? Because of course, um, we also have to to pay the 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 expenses um we have to save for future equipment we have our licenses of the editing software um we're still not entirely done with the studio we, for instance there's no no light yet or well there's the regular uh light for the for the offices but there's no specific video light and we don't have uh a good camera yet to stream uh, we still have to find a solution for the green screen etc so there's still some expenses ahead and of course we have our uh, um, I, we we are paying Inga for her work as a producer and uh, office manager and uh, similarly in the United States we have the expenses on um, 
for the, uh, the, the financial work that Linda is doing and uh, the work that Dom is doing for us. So, and we're still in the, in the United States in a much more precarious situation because uh, we still, sp we have to, we, our expenses are higher than the donations that are coming in. So we're still upside down there. In the Netherlands, it's, uh, it's, it's much better. We, we are uh, saving and uh, growing our, our, uh, our resources. So we are able to grow faster and in the United States. In the United States, we're still trying to manage the situation in order to um, turn it into the right direction again, to have more donations coming in than to what we need to, to, uh, to spend on, on, on running the organization. So that's a bit of a concern. And uh, hopefully we will be able to, uh, to turn that around uh, in a couple of in the next few months so anyway th just trying to give you <laughs> a glimpse of the other aspects of the work that I do um, that require certain diligence this has never been my favorite aspect of of the media work but it is very important because if if I don't manage this well if I don't make good choices here um, I would hamper, it would ultimately hamper the mission because we wouldn't have the ability to either maintain what we're doing, but more importantly, to grow and to, uh, to answer the call to go to the ends of the world. It's, it's, Jesus is pretty ambitious. Oh, wow, look at that. Turning to the right here. And uh, there is uh, Heather growing underneath the trees here. These are not pine trees, these are regular trees. I think they're oak trees. And, uh, but the, uh, it's almost as if the heather is just growing anywhere at once. Uh, there are other patches in this nature reserve where it's um, maintained so that the heather can grow unhampered by trees or anything. So they create these, um, these open spaces. But here it's much more... You can tell this probably has been a much denser forest, but there are dead trees lying around here and they just leave them. And so the, uh, and the heather is taking over. So this is probably much closer to what the Netherlands used to look like before we started to manage our, our country. And we're so good at that. We're, if you look at the, at the Netherlands from the skies whenever I land uh, after a journey and I look outside the window of the airplane before we touch down in Schiphol Airport it's almost as if the entire country is divided into regular shapes and, sh and uh, patches of green and it's so well organized it has a certain inherent beauty it also has the, the side effect of destroying kind of the the natural, it's still nature. I mean, we're, we're a country, a very green country, um, but it is farmland. It's not the natural landscape of this, of this area. And the more, uh, we're, we're getting more sensitive to that and we were trying to preserve at least some areas where the Netherlands start to look like the Netherlands 
this would be without human interference. So it's getting very tight here. And I think this is a road less traveled. And uh, here are some, here's some patches of mud, which I have to jump over. I, my, my shoes can handle the mud, but then I'd have to clean my shoes. <laughs> All right. So, uh, the, well, facing this this work and and finding myself at four o'clock in the morning still at my desk at the in the in the editing room, I said to myself, "This is this is just one of those things that I decided to uh, to end while I was walking the Camino." One of the main questions that I've been reflecting upon is like, why do I do so much? Why do I always put so much on my plate? And who am I doing this for? Is this truly what God is asking me to do? Or is this something that I'm telling myself to do because of the expectations that I project on, on other people? <laughs> it's also one of the things that I tried to share in that GP episode. Um, and I, I will make sure that the contract that I have about the copyrights of this episode is, is modified a little bit. Normally, when I produce a show, the contract stipulates that the content will be owned now by the broadcasting company, and I have no rights to redistribute it in other ways, um, unless I pay them or whatever. Well, for this kind of material, this is so important to me and so personal that I want the contract to say that they basically get the right, my rights to put this on television, and also they want to do a rerun that's possible but I retain ownership and I am I want in the contract that I am free to reuse this uh, material in any way I'd like so what that would allow me to do is to create an English version of this I would like to um, uh, go back to this material and um, uh, I think now that I've looked at all the material there is so much worth sharing that I could probably turn this into a mini-series uh, about my journey of the Camino. And there are lots and lots of videos that you can find online from people that walk the Camino, vlogging and filming, and uh, there's some terrific material there. But then again, that's their journey, that's not my journey. <laughs> and it's, it's interesting to see how different uh, people's journeys are and, 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 and what people see so <laughs> where they stop and what they film and whatnot, but also the story it tells about them every person is different and the Camino does different things to different people so I think there's still some room for my story to be told in that collection of Camino stories as well so hopefully I'll be able to share with you that journey soon soonish. <laughs> But again, it would require me to um, be very prudent uh, and diligent with the time that I have available, also my energy, uh, so that I don't overspend on the television work, which would then hamper the other projects that I have. And I want to take the online work that I do 
and the mission of Tritio just as seriously as I do the, the television work. And I, I should because the potential audience for, for the work that I do online and the YouTube and the, um, the other projects uh, of Tritio is much, is much greater than, than it is in the Netherlands because it's a worldwide audience. So I think it, it's, the, it's, the time, it's time now to put what I've realized during the Camino, and that is nobody's forcing me to work this hard. Um, and don't worry about uh, the consequences of choosing the right balance. That is, that's, that's basically it. If, you, if God never asks you to do anything that is beyond your reach... He knows what, that we are small, that we're limited. And so the one thing you shouldn't do is overestimate your own strength. One of the ongoing messages of anything you read in the Bible is, trust me, I, w I will be there to guide you. I will be there to carry you if you can't do that yourself. And um, I'm going to put on my hat against the sun because it's... Clouds are dissipating a little bit, so it's getting warm, and I don't want to get sunburned. So the um, the uh, still a little, little bit tired. <laughs> it causes the occasional fuzziness in my head. <laughs> I lose the, the, my train of thought. So, so in the Bible stories, um, gradually people always discover the limitations of what they can pull off themselves because of the fact that they're mere humans, because of adversity in their own personal lives or on a bigger scale with wars and natural disasters happening, etc. And it always comes to the decision to have faith that God's plans are not our plans and that he is able to realize uh, his plans despite our limitations and he, he wants to work with us and he calls people all the time in, in the bible stories to work with him which by itself is already fantastic he doesn't need us but he wants to need us he wants us to be involved in what he does but at the same time he wants us to know that he's always there as a backup to to so that we may realize how much we depend on him and how much he is there for us. It's a reason for gratitude when you discover that you couldn't deal with whatever comes on your, whatever happens, but that with God, you were able to surmount the difficulties or you, you're, or you were granted the grace to accept your limitations, etc. That is... The, the, that is the, the kind of the educational approach of God is always to make us feel our limitations and he's hoping that we will turn to him for whatever we can do. And I think with the way I look at my work and the way I look at Tridio and what we've been trying to build over the past more than 10 years now with SQPN is, is very similar. We are very aware of our unique calling 
to uh, try to reach people through innovative ways uh, and to use the, the possibilities of, of modern media and social media to form communion and to build friendship and trust and to share what is most important to us. And I think we've done a pretty good job with that. But um, it's always been very limited what we could do in terms of scope, in terms of people, you know, most, most people that I worked with over the years were volunteers and still are volunteers. Um, so there is a lot that we can't do and for which we have to trust. Even um, financially, I think we need to do whatever we can to be good stewards. But even good stewards can still get in trouble because, well, when you don't have any resources to be, to be stewarding, <laughs> then it's still a problem. If, if you have to do things like, for instance, one of, the, one of my favorite Bible stories and, or gospel stories is the wedding at Cana, where, you know, I'm sure they planned uh, the wedding months in advance and they thought they had enough wine. And yet it turns out that consumption is more than predicted. Oh, there's a horse. Hello. You wouldn't tell that actually it was just a horse passing us by because I'm walking on a sandy path and so the footsteps of the horse gets attenuated by the sand so it's super silent. That's a good thing to remember whenever I'm in Middle Earth hunted by uh, <laughs> the ring ghosts or anything. <laughs> I gotta walk on the sand. Nobody will hear me. Beats putting on the ring to become invisible. That's a much riskier method. So, the um, there goes my train of thought again. <laughs> now I'm thinking of the Lord of the Rings. Um, the uh, the wedding at Cana is is I think a beautiful illustration of the fact that well Jesus didn't organize the party. He didn't go to the market to buy the wine, but he's there when human resources reach their limits, when people don't know how to move on. And then it's Mary that pleads with her son to help. And then she tells the, the, the organizers, do what he tells you, do what he says you should do. So it's trust, right? This, this defies human ability and logic. Everybody knows that you can't pour water into jugs and then serve it as wine. That is not a rational thing to do. That's even potentially a very stupid thing to do because you would insult people when they are asking for a glass of wine and you go and fetch them a glass of water. <laughs> Drink this, it's good for you. Yeah, but it's not what I expected. So it's a story of faith. Uh, first of all, the faith of Mary. She has 100% faith in her son and he will be able to provide a solution. Even though it may not be his time, it may not be part of, of the plan or whatever, but Jesus is ready to be disturbed by us and to intervene 
um, even if sometimes our difficult situation is caused by ourselves. That too is, an, is, is a possibility that we um, are stuck because of our wrong decisions. I've experienced that many times when I didn't pay attention during the Camino and I took a, the wrong road and I was <laughs> taking a big detour. Well, even if you sometimes make mistakes, it's still, it's always possible to return and to re retrace your steps and, and, and try again and ask for help. There's people alongside the road, you know. <laughs> Donde es el camino per Santiago? <laughs> aquí, aquí. <laughs> Everyone is always happy to help when you're stuck. Let me go to the left. It's kind of hard walking here on the, in the sand. I wonder if I go up this hill, if I'll end up in, a, in an area that's slightly easier to navigate. Although this looks like one of those sand dunes. So there won't even be heather. It's just sand. Not much grows on sand. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. This is a sand dune. Oh well, still walk there. Do a little bit of a C-3PO thing. Although my joints are not frozen. <laughs> and I do not think there are settlements over there. Nor Jawas, by the way. Hey, there we go. Beautiful. Looks nice. Tough to walk on though. But I think I know from here where I should go. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, the, uh, the, I think the, the challenge right now is for me to realize that I'm not ca called, I think, to work an entire night and then uh, the day after on Friday, I had to wake up very early to go filming for a, another episode for most of the day. But I, of course, <laughs> I was still super tired from skipping a night. Again, that, that too is part of the domino effect, and I don't think that, is, that I'm, I'm supposed to work like that. And so the right thing is to ask for, well, to trust. It's about faith. You know, right now, what I, what I try to do is turn to Jesus, just like Mary did on, during the wedding, wedding at Cana. And I will tell him, I don't have editors. <laughs> that's, I, for, in my situation, that's worse than having no wine. <laughs> I have no editors. And then I will trust that he will find me ways to work with people that can help me. But of course, he can only help when I, when I acknowledge my limitations. And I, I could, of course, stubbornly try to do it all by myself, just like a child who wants to eat by himself. I can eat myself. I have a picture, a photo. <laughs> One of the first times that I, I assured my mom, I wasn't, I wasn't speaking at that time yet, because I was one or something like that, that I could eat my porridge myself. And the, the, the photo shows me <laughs> with my, a spoon in my ear, and the porridge, yes, is definitely in the vicinity of my mouth. It's just that the mouth itself was still uh, kind of hard to find. So it's in my hair, it's on my nose. <laughs> so I, d I don't want to be in that situation right now. 
pretending, well, I can do this myself. I want to do this myself. I don't need help. Uh, No, I'll ask for help. But then I also trust that um, if I do whatever I can to be prudent uh, in, 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 in finding the balance, of course, I, I won't, I, if I have to pay an editor, I'll, I'll make less money from the production. So there will be less to invest, to reinvest in the mission. So that is, that is uh, an issue. But I think it's still part of the of the process of trusting that even though the we will grow perhaps a little bit slower, we won't be able to immediately do whatever we want to do. We'll take a little bit more time. That is that is not a problem. We'll just go at a human pace, um, and as long as we keep walking, we'll get there anyway. We may be a bit slower, but who tells me to go fast? Is that truly God or is it me who just wants to force everything? Well, I think that's one thing I learned from the Camino is that this rush is not necessary. Of course, there's nothing wrong with being ambitious and having big plans. But it also it's also very important to... Um, make sure to leave some room for for God's help. And uh, sometimes that requires to slow down a little bit. And it's funny that I think the the biggest problem that I solved during the Camino was to find an answer to the question, well, why am I always pushing myself so much? It's basically because I felt that that was expected of me um, to, to, to be accepted, to be valued. Um, and, and this is an old, very old trauma, I think, from primary school. It's a vague memory, but I, I remember being so afraid that if I didn't, if my grades were not improving, I'd get in trouble and maybe I'd, I'd have to redo a year or maybe send from school. It was a teacher who really scared me so much that that has become a... My my reaction at the time was like, I have to work harder than ever before. And only then I will be safe. And only then I will be praised and, you know, I, I won't get in trouble. And I think I've projected that on many other people in my life and situations where it's become this habit of, of thinking that I have to do always more, have to work harder, produce more shows, be everywhere, do everything. Because only then I'd be a good priest. Only then God would accept me or the people, the church would accept me or my colleagues at work would, would value me. So it, it, I think that... that um, the the stress in my life came mostly from fear of not doing enough and if i feel so much different now and it's it's funny to to put this to share this with you because i i know how much that has changed 
because the, 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 great, the greatest gift of the Camino was to discover that I was already on God's road because Jesus is the Camino. And as long as I walk with him, nothing else matters. The pace doesn't matter. The number of kilometers doesn't matter. Uh, what you see and, or visit or not doesn't, uh, doesn't matter. You do, you, you kind of simplify things. That what matters is that you walk the Camino. But how fast and how far and in which conditions, it's all irrelevant. Because the aim is to walk the Camino. <laughs> and that's true for life as well. The goal of my life, the, the mission of my life is to walk with God and to walk with Jesus. To try always to follow the road that he shows me to go. But how fast I walk that road and how much I accomplish is irrelevant. Uh, Mary does not specify at the wedding at Cana how much wine they need. It's Jesus who tells them, do this or do that. But so the quantity of wine is not something that Mary calculates. What is important for her is, is to trust that if she and the people at the wedding turn to her son, that that would, that that would be enough. He would fix it. He would make sure that it's enough. And he did. Same thing with the multiplication of the bread. Yes, they know approximately how many people are sitting there in the fields, far away from any villages or sources of food. Um, but they let Jesus do the math. And he makes sure that not only there is enough for everyone, there is even too much. They have a surplus of food. Jesus is very generous when we turn to him. And so the, the final result, the effectiveness of the multiplication of, of bread is with Jesus and not with the apostles. The only thing they have to do is to distribute whatever he gives them. And if I try to apply that to my own uh, walk in life, uh, I think the, the only thing that I have to trust is that when I turn to Jesus and I tell him, this is what I can do, and this is where I stumble and where I face a wall because I don't have this or that ability. Um, I work in a certain way, so I always get in trouble with the final stages of the production because whatever. He understands. But if I tell him, you know, if I outsource this, if I trust you, will you make sure that it's still good enough and that it will reach its, its audience and that it's, it's worth doing, then I'm sure that it will be enough and I don't have to worry about it. So it's a certain, and I think, I hope, that that attitude is also helping the other people with who I work. I've used to be, I used to be pretty relentless in my ambitions with our uh, productions and 
I would make these long lists of shows that I felt we should do, and uh, that's part of the creative aspect. I can come up with so many ideas, but I would always think that we had to do everything. <sighs> I would set these arbitrary time goals that were not realistic, not for me, not for the people I worked with. And ultimately, a lot of those projects never saw the light of day because I was trying to do what I, um, <laughs> what I envisioned. Um, and, and a lot of that came from anxiety, I think, of, of, of having to know, having to work so hard to make my life count. Ooh, there's another horse. You will hear this one because it's galloping. Beautiful white horse. So, so cool. I definitely want to learn how to do that and how to ride horses. Love it. Um, so the, uh, the, the, the piece that I found myself and also the kind of the human scale of what I do, um, I think will will reflect upon the people I work with as well. Uh, the, the The core of our mission is a is faith. It's not in the quality of the shows that we make or the efficiency or the techniques that we master. Those are all tools and ultimately not that important. But what will make the difference? is how we, how we do, how we fulfill our mission. If, if it needs to be carried in faith. Tridio is nothing if it's not carried in faith and trusting that we have a role to play, we are called to do this, but that the, the efficiency of our work will only be in God's hands. Uh, and that's good. And if we are growing and successful, that's great. That's an occasion to, to thank God. But if, we, if our growth is slow and we do a few things, we do them very well, that's good. That's also good. We are not the, the ultimate owners of this mission. We are collaborators of this mission. But ultimately, this is hopefully God who is reaching out to you as a, as a listener right now, to a lot of other people that have no idea that God is looking for them, is trying to find them. But I pray for this every day that through our programs and the way in which we reach out, they will eventually also find God or God will find them or be able to touch them. But we are helping this mission. It's, we're not reaching out. God is reaching out. And the only thing we do is to try whatever we can to help pave the way. But we are not the owners of the harvest. We're not the, um, the, the, the people that <laughs> will make this work. We can work very hard, but there, if there's no faith, all that work will be for nothing. If we build on faith, on our, if, if we are always turning towards Jesus, help, 
trying to help, but also always telling him, well, this is where we reach our limits and it's up to you. We know that you uh, will deal with it and you will find ways to, to fulfill your plan because you are God and we're just creatures. <laughs> we're just your helpers, but we're glad to be your helpers and we are glad that we can't do everything. It's an occasion to value <laughs> how much Jesus means to us because he is there to help us whenever we get stuck and that's a great thing because that's a part that's part of a relationship right in your relationships with people what binds you together more than anything is the moment that you are stuck and someone else gets you going again that's when you both feel connected and that's what growth relation growth relationships if someone is self-sufficient never needs help then the other person has nothing to do so if that's true for human relations then it's also true and even more for our relationship with god well that's that's the insight that i wanted to share with you this morning and i thank you for listening i'm going to try to find my way back i have no idea where i am but I deliberately didn't take a watch or my phone with me after having worked on deadlines. For Oh, more galloping horses. I may want to get out of the way for these two. They're going at full speed here. But I wanted to, uh, to be pressure-free, and, uh, and that's, that's good. Hello. Hey, hi. Hi, hi. Awesome. All right. Thanks for listening. Take care. God bless.